Thank you, Tim. Hey, friends, it's great to be gathered with everyone today. If uh, you could take your seat, if you have a seat. And if you don't have a seat, uh, raise your hand, and I'm sure we can find you one. It is great to be gathered here with everyone today, four churches gathered in one place. And I've always found that there is something so special about being gathered together with other congregations. It reminds us of how it's meant to be. We often get so caught up in our own little congregations and sometimes bigger congregations, uh, our buildings, our ministries, that we forget uh, about the kingdom ministry and our calling to be together. One thing I really love about uh, serving here in Livonia is all the things that we do together with other churches. And we've had a history of serving together uh, during our season of Lent, of going down into Detroit together with Life Remodeled. And now here in August, I believe this is our fourth time together. And Hope Church from Detroit is also joining us as well for the last several years. And so we are gathered. And as we are gathered, I do want to welcome you to this time of worship. We have a great time of worship today. We have a theme, as we have had over the last several years, a theme of transition. And we felt that as we talked about it, that this was a great year to talk about transition because that's what we've all been facing. We've been facing a time of transition together in this world, in our lives, in our churches. But as we come to this time of worship, we're also meant to remember that in our time of transition, God is with us all the way. And that's what we're going to explore today as we worship, as we sing, as we pray, as we are gathered together in this amazing place. We do so remembering the goodness of our God. And so as we gather, friends, let us now prepare our hearts for worship. Let us give ourselves to the Lord, because this is indeed the day the Lord has made. Therefore, let us rejoice and be glad in it. You guys moved yourself so far away. A little hot. Good? To consider a life of worship. Look to the trees. Watch as they reach out their limbs to catch every sunbeam that brings life. To catch every moonbeam that brings peace. To consider a life of worship, look to the trees. Watch as they freely give what they have, shade in the heat, heat for the hearth, food for the table, and the table itself. To consider a life of worship, look to the trees. Watch as their trunks grow out, as their limbs grow up, because their roots grow down, digging deeper into the ground where its lifeblood is found, where its truth exists. To consider a life of worship, look to the trees. Watch as their rings of life map out time like wrinkles of wisdom on a face, like the smoothing of a river stone, like worn patches in the carpet where knees have bent in years of prayer. To consider a life of worship, look to the trees. 
Listen to the forest chorus that sings with the wind to trunks that quake and creak in the breath of God. Watch as its limbs bud and break forth into leaves that bring new life, into life that paints the landscape from green to gold to gone. To consider a life of worship, look to the trees. Listen as they tell their story of knowledge of good and evil, to life by the river in New Jerusalem and all their stories in between. Listen to their tale of cradling the Messiah, to being the only thing he ever harmed and being the only thing that ever harmed him. To consider a life of worship, look to the trees, because three days later our Savior was mistaken for a gardener in the quiet of the morning, having forgiven all, having conquered all, having loved all. To consider a life of worship, look to the trees. Let us pray. Holy God, we give you thanks for this morning. We give you thanks for gathering in your good creation among these amazing trees that spend their whole life worshiping you. We now give this day into your good hands, and may all that we do and say in this day be well and good in your sight. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. If the Spirit so moves you, please stand and join me in this morning's call to worship. And your response will simply be, we will celebrate this day. We have come out of the darkness. God has created this day for us. God has forgiven us yet again. We can take this day to start again. We can become new. We can make all things right. We won't let this day go to waste. As it is a gift from the creator of the universe. We will now sing him the hymn, Guide Me, O Thou Great Jehovah.
but I would like all the children to come forward, and I would like Abby Bennett to help me out today. Surprise! Come on up, kids. I've got a dry place to sit. Can you give everyone a heart? All right, so everybody's going to get a heart before you sit down. Come on up. Are you excited to be here today? I'm excited that you're here today. Whoop, there you go. There you go. Everybody got a heart? All right, have a seat on this beautiful tarp <laughs> that has paint on it. All right, well, can you guys look at me? Thank you, cool. Can you give me your best smile today? Yes, you guys look awesome. Okay, I have a question for you today. Has anyone ever heard the expression, and this is for the big kids too, sticks and stones may break my bones, but names will never hurt me. How many of you have ever heard that expression? Raise your hand. All right, got a couple of you. So how do you feel when somebody calls you a name? Not so good, right? Not so good. It makes us kind of feel bad, right? The Bible tells us that it's really important to be careful with the words that we say. The Bible says that a person's words can be life-giving, like water. That when we say wonderful things to people, it's like a bubbling brook that happens inside someone. But when we sometimes start a new school or a new grade, or maybe we move into a new neighborhood and we have to make new friends, sometimes that's really hard. And sometimes people or other kids might call us a name. So we're going to do something with your heart today. So, has anyone ever heard of the term bullying? What does it mean to bully someone? Can anybody tell us? Audrey, you got it? Okay, so call you names, make fun of what you're wearing, make fun of something about you, make you feel bad, right? So this is your heart, okay? Every time I say something that isn't good, I want you to literally crunch your heart. You can do it, crunch your heart. Look at that, you can fold it up, crunch it up. Go for it, I know no one's ever told you to do this before, but go for it, crunch up your hearts. Okay, and then when I say something good, I want you to open up your hearts and I want you to flatten them out so they look like this. Okay, are you ready? So I have a story to share with you. I was in the first grade and I had to go to a new school. And I was super excited about going to my new school. And I got my outfit on and when I looked in the mirror, I saw that I had all these freckles on my face. And so what happened was all growing up, my parents and my grandparents and everyone I knew told me that my freckles were really, really, really special. And when I got to school and I tried to make new friends, which was really, really hard, 
there was this one girl, and she, I didn't know it at that time, was a bully. And do you know what she called me? Freckle face. That's right. Now, when I tell the story today, many years later, it doesn't seem as bad until I think about that time in the first grade and how bad she made me feel. So somebody called me a name. Crush your heart. And then at Sunday school, I shared my story. And do you know what my Sunday school teacher told me about freckles? She said, if I didn't have freckles on my face, there wouldn't be stars in the sky. Now, she said something really special that made me feel good. So open up your heart, carefully flatten it out. Okay, can anyone tell me a time where someone's words made you feel bad? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, man. Oh, wow. So you were in day camp in Texas, and there was a bully, and he called you baby. A lot of times. So let's brush up our hearts, because words hurt, right? And then when you told your mom or your dad about it, did they say words that made you feel better? Yes. He said, yes. They did, because you're special. Open your heart. Flatten it out. Anybody else ever have someone say some unkind words to them? Anybody? So, it's really important that we say words that are really special, especially when we're in something called the transition and we move somewhere new or we start a new school. And what's important to know is what the Bible says about how we're to treat people. So I have this little verse in Colossians, and it says, Therefore, as God's cho chosen people who are dearly loved, clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and bear with each other and forgive one another. And so this tells us that Jesus thinks our hearts and who we are are so special. Sometimes when we look in the mirror, sometimes we tend to look at ourselves and see something maybe that we don't like. And it kind of crushes our own hearts. Can you crush your heart? And you know what Jesus sees when you look in the mirror? Jesus sees that you're amazing that you're one of a kind, that there's nobody like you because you're so loved. So open your hearts. Wonderful. So here's a little verse to say with you from Ephesians, and it says, for you are God's masterpiece. Now, a masterpiece can be in a frame, right? Sometimes we see a big painting. Sometimes we do something special and someone frames it. So I want everybody to stand up with their hearts in their hands. All right. And I want you to form a line after me. Can you form a line? Abby can be at the end. Come on. There we go. Stand right in line. 
And this is what I want you to do. I want you to hold the frame, and when you hold the frame, everybody's going to yell out, you are God's masterpiece. Are you ready? You want me to help you hold your frame? Everybody? You are God's masterpiece. Yay! All right, go back to your mom and dad. You ready? Everybody? And my faithful assistant. Everyone, you are God's masterpiece. Amen. great. Thank you, Kelly. As we are now gathering around this word, the word that we'll hear today, three different opportunities. As you can see in your uh, bulletins, each will have a little message before you have the opportunity to ponder together on what it means for God to be with us in our times of transition. But as we do so, let's bow our heads in prayer as we seek God's, God's presence in our lives. Lord, we pray that as we come to this time in which we have the opportunity to encounter your word, we pray for your guidance and for your wisdom. I pray, Lord, for your words of truth that I may speak them and that you may each give us the ears to hear and the hearts to believe and understand so that together, whether speaking or listening, we may grow together as your followers, that we may walk on the path that you have called us to walk. Be with us, Lord, this day in worship as we now encounter your word. And we pray this in your great and beautiful name. Amen. Well, friends, today we're going to first encounter a passage that you might not be terribly familiar with, but it is a wonderful passage about transitions, about the difficulty of change, about how we are meant to encounter it head on instead of just merely looking back. It's a passage today from 2 Kings, chapter 2, verses 1 through 15, and it occurs with the transition between two great prophets of the Old Testament, one, the prophet Elijah, and he goes, and the next prophet is the prophet Elisha, not the same prophet at all, two separate prophets. So here's now the word of the Lord. Let's listen together from 2 Kings 2, when the Lord was about to take Elijah up to heaven a whirlwind, Elijah and Elisha were on their way from Gilgal. Elijah said to Elisha, stay here, for the Lord has sent me to Bethel. But Elisha said, as surely as the Lord lives and as you live, I will not leave you. So they went down to Bethel. The company of the prophets at Bethel 
came out to Elisha and asked, Do you know that the Lord is going to take from you your master today? Yes, I know, Elisha replied. But do not speak of it. Then Elijah said to him, Stay here, Elisha, for the Lord sent me to Jericho. And he replied, As surely as the Lord lives and as you live, I will not leave you. So they went to Jericho. A company of the prophets at Jericho went to Elisha and asked him, Do you know that the Lord is going to take your master for you today? Yes, I know, he replied, but do not speak of it. Then Elijah said to him, Stay here, the Lord has sent me to the Jordan. And he replied, As surely as the Lord lives and as you live, I will not leave you. So the two of them walked on. Fifty men of the company of the prophets went and stood at a distance, facing the place where Elijah and Elisha had stopped at the Jordan. Elijah took his cloak and rolled it up and struck the water with it. The water divided to the right and to the left, and the two of them crossed over on the dry ground. When they had crossed, Elijah said to Elisha, Tell me, what can I do for you before I'm taken from you? Let me inherit a double portion of your spirit, Elisha replied. You have asked for a difficult thing, Elijah said. Yet, if you see me when I am taken from you, it will be yours. Otherwise, not. As they were walking along and talking together, suddenly a chariot of fire and the horses of fire appeared and separated the two. And Elijah went up to heaven in a whirlwind. Elijah saw this and cried out, My father, my father, the chariots and the horsemen of Israel! And Elisha saw him no more. Then he took hold of his own clothes and he tore them apart. He picked up the cloak that had fallen from Elijah and went back and stood on the bank of the Jordan. Then he took the cloak that had fallen from him and had struck the water with it. Where now is the Lord, the God of Elijah, he asked. And when he struck the water, it divided to the right and to the left, and he crossed over. But the company of the prophets in Jericho, who were watching, said, The spirit of Elijah is resting on Elisha. And they went to meet him and bowed to the ground before him. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. As we all know far too well, this past year and a half, it's been enormously difficult. And it unfortunately continues. Our own times of transition and of loss, of change, so much that has been forced upon us that we haven't chosen for ourselves and we keep being reminded of it over and over again. In many ways, I'm sure we feel like Elisha, where we keep being, being reminded of what has happened and we keep saying, let's stop talking about it. Yes, it's happened, but what are we going to do now? When change happens to us, when it's forced upon us, when things happen that we would not choose for ourselves, what do we do as the people of God? Do we keep on looking back? Do we keep on in that place where it is dark and difficult? Do we do something different? One of the issues that I'm sure you have, but I certainly have, is when things happen to me that are difficult and are hard that I would rather not happen, I keep looking back and I keep wondering, why did this happen? How did it happen? This last year and a half in our lives, in our churches, in our communities, I know there's been loss, there's been grief, there's been emotions that we haven't been able to adequately fully deal with, and it continues. 
the older I get, the more I recognize that so much of change is out of my control. But what I can control is how I respond to it. Now, I wish I could control change. I wish I could say, hey, I get to choose, but I don't. That's not the way life works. But as we encounter our text today, we are able to recognize that there is something that we can do. How we handle our transitions, how we handle change, how we handle loss. What does Elisha do here? He goes with his master, first of all. We know in the text that Elijah and Elisha have this amazing relationship. It's this mentoring relationship, a father to a son. It's enormously powerful. And so, such was the loss that Elisha felt. And yet, when he is asked this one great question, what do you want? What does he ask for? He asks for the same spirit that Elijah had. What is he asking for there? He's asking for help. He's recognizing that he can't encounter what's about to happen on his own. He knows fully well what's going to happen. He's facing it head on. He's not looking back. He doesn't have regret. He can't change it. So what does he do? He says, I need the same spirit that you have. Now, up to this point, Elijah has done an amazing amount of things in the Old Testament. He has encountered the prophets of Baal. He has called down fire from heaven. He has run evil kings out of the kingdom. He's done tremendous things. And Elijah has seen it. And he says, that spirit that you have, I want that inheritance. I want that same gift that you have. And he asked for it, and, he answered, and, he, and God answered it for him. That's a huge lesson for us to learn. That when we encounter change in our lives, are we asking for God's help or not? Are we seeking God's hand in our lives, or are we turning away? Do we think that we're in this alone? Or do we understand that God cares about the change and the transitions and the loss that we all go through on a daily basis? Elisha asked and God answered. He was not abandoned. And then once he got it, he didn't look back. He rented his clothes as a sign of grief, this loss, but then he moved on. He was able to see his direction because of what he asked for. And asking for God's help, he was able to understand that he could then move forward. And friends, that is where God really does help us. In our times of difficulty, it's not that the difficulties diminish. Not at all. It's that asking for God to come alongside us, that is what makes a difference. I've experienced this in my own life, and I know you all have too. The difference between asking for God's help and not asking for God's help is an enormous abyss. Where would Elisha have gone if he had not asked for God to help him? He would have been stuck on the other side of the Jordan. There would have been this huge river between him and everybody else, between him and his next steps. He would have been lost in the wilderness without God's help. Have you experienced that before too? It's not a matter of belief. It's a matter of action in the faith that you do have. Friends, we serve a God who loves us more than we can ask or imagine. We've seen that time and time again, not only in Scripture, but in our own lives. Today, let's once more trust God. Turn to Him in our times of transition. 
understand that as we ask, God will come and will deliver and respond and will help us to face the lives that we have this day. Amen. We've been reading from the book of Ephesians in the last few weeks, if your churches are following the lectionary. And so I come today with verses from Ephesians 4 that I think are probably somewhat familiar to all of us. Hear these words. I therefore, the prisoner of the Lord, beg you to lead a life worthy of the calling to which you have been called, with all humility and gentleness, with patience, bearing with one another in love, making every effort to maintain the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. There is one body and one Spirit, just as you were called to the one hope of your calling, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is above all and through all and in all. But each of us was given grace according to the measure of Christ's gift. The gifts he gave were that some would be apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, some pastors and teachers to equip the saints for the work of the ministry for building up the body of Christ until all of us come to the unity of the faith and the knowledge of the Son of God, to maturity, to the measure of the full stature of Christ. We must no longer be children, tossed to and fro and blown about by every wind of doctrine, by people's trickery, by their craftiness and deceitful scheming. But speaking the truth in love, we must grow up in every way into him who is the head, into Christ, from whom the whole body, joined and knit together by every ligament with which it is equipped, as each part is working properly, promotes the body's growth in building itself up in love. When Pastor Kate talked about changes in our lives with the young people, she talked about moving. Now, I don't know about the rest of you, but my dad worked for the Department of Transportation. And the saying that he always used was, if you want to learn how to move, move from the Army to the Department of Transportation. <laughs> so I moved a lot as a kid. And every time we moved, I had to get used to a new community, new school, new friends, all of those things. 
that's just one kind of change, but we know that change often comes into our lives in ways that we don't choose. And I know there were times we moved that that was not really what my parents wanted to do. But it happened. And my mother had become, did become, a really expert packer in the process of learning to move over and over and over again. But she also did a really great job of helping us as kids settle into a new community. Even when the house was full of boxes, we'd go visit the new library and check out books. We'd drive by our new school. We'd practice walking to and from school. Sometimes we'd meet our new teachers. We'd go the day before school started just to get introduced. And we always had met the principal of the new school. So she always prepared the way for us. I think what she was doing was exactly what we're exhorted to do in Ephesians. She didn't know her way around that community any more than we did. She knew all about humility. She was as frustrated and discouraged and uncertain about the move as we were as kids. But gently, with a lot of patience, she would take us and introduce us to places around the community. Any of you remember Welcome Wagon? Okay. One, one move, we got all those lovely coupons from Welcome Wagon, and we had an invitation to go to one of the local florist shops, and we would get a new plant. Well, it just so happened that day, we went to the new florist shop. That was our excursion out into the new community for that day. And the owner was around that day, and he loved to show people about his greenhouses. And so my brother and I, yes, we got the, we got the little plants that we were supposed to get for coming to visit. But in the process, my brother and I also walked out with cuttings in little pots from half a dozen plants from his nursery. This one needs water, lots of water. This one likes sunshine. Sharing what each plant needed as they moved into our home. There are ways we expedite change for other people. Sometimes when we're in the middle of a pandemic and all of us are going through change, there's some solidarity in that. But sometimes there isn't. It's changes that happen in our individual lives and even in the midst of a pandemic, each of us respond in different ways. And the truth is all of us are only in control of our response to the changes. I know this pandemic has been tough for everybody. I also know that I've learned a few things in the process. I know at Hope Church, one of the things that's become clear to us 
is that as we've streamed services, our shut-ins are coming. I see some heads nod. The rest of you have discovered that too. And that's a change we didn't seek out. We didn't want to have to meet together from our living rooms, but we've learned that there is a good side. Most changes also bring good sides to them. And that's the case with the particular changes we're going through right now. And this passage also lifts up our call to grow into a mature life with Jesus, to, to be able to reach out and help others to do that in the ways that my parents did as we moved from community to community. And as we do that, we contribute to the common good of everybody around us. I think the gifts that God has given us are good news of hope that come to a world that is tired of change. We're tired of staying six feet apart, of wearing masks, staying home, and we're mostly tired of waiting for all of this to end, aren't we? And our common call is to lead lives worthy of the God we serve, to live with humility and patience and love and work for unity and peace. The world needs a lot of that right now, doesn't it? We're so divided. But as Pastor Joel said, in the midst of transition and change and all that's going on in the world, we are reminded that God has not abandoned us. God is still at work in us, in the church, in the world. And when we're attentive and we listen to God and seek to grow in the ways that we can grow, we're present in the world in ways that are transformative. We do live in the middle of changes, in a world where a lot of people don't see God's presence. The promise is that we will always be uplifted, encouraged, even challenged at times to show Jesus' love and care to the world. And we never do that alone because we are never alone. God is always in our midst to walk with us to encourage us, to transform us, so that we are able to be God's presence in the world. No matter what happens, no matter the circumstances that we encounter, be it a move, an unanticipated illness, a loss, I suspect most of us have lost somebody near and dear to us in this pandemic. Whatever changes come uninvited into our lives and into the world, God will give us what we need so that we can be who we truly are, God's masterpiece.
so that we can be God's agents in the world. We are never alone. And that is good news. Amen. Today and always. So we're going into sermon number three and uh, a lot of scripture and maybe some of you are tired and we're talking about changes and transitions maybe some of you are anxious so if you could all join me i'd like to do this every sunday take a deep breath in deep breath out deep breath in deep breath out and a third breath breathing in the holy spirit breathing out any anxieties and lord god may the words that I speak and the meditations of our hearts be pleasing unto you. The scripture for this last passage comes from Isaiah 43, verses 16 to 21. Hear the word of the Lord. Thus says the Lord who makes a way in the sea, a path in the mighty waters, who brings out chariot and horse, army and warrior. They lie down, they cannot rise. They are extinguished, quenched like a wick. Do not remember the former things, or consider the things of old. I am about to do a new thing. Now it springs forth. Do you not perceive it? I will make a way in the wilderness, and rivers in the desert. The wild animals will honor me. The jackals and ostriches, I give water in the wilderness, rivers in the desert, to give drink to my chosen people the people whom I formed for myself, so that they might declare my praises. So some of you may realize, um, I am the new guy here, um, very fresh, and maybe there's a bit of an irony of the new guy preaching about new things, uh, but I realized I think I'm a bit of an expert in the last few months on new things. Uh, my wife and I do not seem to do transitions one at a time. So since April, moved to a new state, started a new job in a new church, bought a house for the first time. That was new. And a little bit earlier than expected, welcomed my first child, our daughter Gwen, and the peach hat over there. There's a lot of new things that happened in our life. And with new things comes a lot of adjustment and changes and you sort of have to transition and new things you know in our world are often peddled to us as being always great you want the new iphone the new this the new that it will be obsolete in three weeks so get the new thing now new is always good but if we think about it we know that there are things that are new that are exciting and joyful and life-giving and there are new things that are difficult and there are some things that are both at the exact same time. My daughter being dressed in a cute peach hat, giving baby smiles, joyful. My daughter at 3 a.m. deciding it's time to scream when I want to sleep, difficult. In our scripture passage in Isaiah, God is talking to Israel who had been in exile, carted out, taken away to someone else's land, away from their home. They've been in a time of hard transitions and pain and suffering. And God comes to bring this word of challenge and reassurance. God laying out that God is the one above all things can make a way in the craziest of places where there is no road map, like the sea and the various depths, who can take even powerful armies and warriors 
and bring them low, snuff them out like a wick of a candle, an image that I'm sure resonated with people who had not that long ago been defeated. And then God has a really interesting and weird thing he says. Don't remember the old things. Forget about that. Well, God, how am I going to forget about that? Just don't forget it. Leave it behind. Forget the former things. Behold, I'm going to do a new thing. Well, that could be good news. And then God says, do you not perceive it? I'm doing a new thing. Don't you realize what I'm doing? Can't you see where I am working? Sadly, I wish it was easy to always see where God is working, but that maybe begs the question, why do they not perceive what God is doing? And why did God have to say, forget the former things? Now, I know as good Presbyterians, we love our tradition. I'm not saying throw out baby with the bathwater and everything old is bad. No, but maybe they don't see what is new that God is doing because they are stuck in a harmful place in the past, in hurt. Maybe it's a cycle of trauma. I can't get to new because I'm still hurting from what has happened. I think for a lot of us in 2020 and 2021, it is hard to move to new because we're still recovering from 2020. Or maybe some of us got really comfortable with the old way of doing things. You know what? I knew what it was like to come to church every Sunday. I do not know what it is like to log into Zoom, Google Meet, and Facebook. Uh, I don't know if I can do this. Sometimes the new thing is a really hard thing. I don't know what to do without this person in my life. And God says, do you not perceive that maybe sometimes we do not see what God is doing in our lives and in the world because we are, for hurt reasons or maybe for stubborn reasons, too stuck in the past, whether that is for hurt or for comfort. But God says, I'm doing a new thing, and don't you realize it? And not just that it's new. It's not just new for newness sake, but God is saying, I'm giving you a new thing that will change the world. I will make a path in the wilderness, a way in the wilderness, waters in the desert. Desert wilderness imagery in the Bible oftentimes tied to feeling isolated, lost, away from God, and in pain. I will give you a route through that painfulness, and I will give you things that will sustain you, keep you going, help you thrive. Maybe the new thing is something joyful, maybe it's difficult, but whether or not it's either of those things or both, God is providing a way, God is providing life, because we cannot live without water. We cannot live without this. God is providing either way. And God is drastically changing the world around us every day, whether we realize it or not. I am bringing water into the desert, streams into the desert, so much so that even the jackals are starting to praise me. How much of a flip upside down must that be for those people who live in the desert, you know, dry, arid, not known for having a lot to drink, to suddenly have rushing water, huge streams. It turns the entire ecosystem upside down, and God's saying, I am coming to bring life and change that will help you grow and sustain and live in a place where you did not think you could live at all, to bring connection and life and community back together in a place of isolation and despair. I will give a drink to my chosen people, the people who I created to pray for me. God saying, I will provide for you 
even in the places of transition and change, where you do not think you can do it, where it seems too hard, where you feel like you cannot go on and you wonder if I'm going on, I will always bring something. I will always bring life into the dark and dry places. I will bring a new thing. Don't you see that I am trying to bring life to you? I am trying to change things for the better. God is always working to bring change about for growth and for betterment. In that, there will be times of joy and there may be times of difficulties. And maybe we need to rethink and challenge why we are so stuck remembering former things and not realizing what God is doing now. Again, maybe hurt, maybe comfort, maybe stubbornness. But God is always doing something new, bringing new life, new opportunities, new ministries into the world. We heard talking about how our shut-ins are now being engaged in ministry in a way that they have not before. This is a new life to the community. But we would have never experienced that if we had just said, well, we've never, you know, as people have said to me before, the seven last words of the church. We've never done it that way before. Again, I don't think God is calling us to throw out everything that has happened previously to us to say, you know, we start again square one, but God is always working to change the world to a new, more life-giving way to provide hope in places of pain. And God encourages us to not be afraid of the new thing, but to maybe see how the new thing, even if it's difficult, could lead to life and thriving. I pray that we can think about that, not just in our personal lives, in devotional lives, although that is important, but also in our community. Where is the changes we've undergone and are going on? Where can we as the church, these churches, this presbytery, bring new life and love and community together here in Livonia and the Detroit area? Amen. Let us pray. Holy Lord God, our lives are full of transitions. Some of those are really great and fun and exciting, and we love those, and other ones we love a lot less because they're painful and difficult. We know, though, that through all of those, you are leading us and calling us and guiding us to you and your call. May we, as the church, may we as agents of the kingdom of God, not just rest in the past, not be stuck in past hurt and harm, but always be open to where you are leading, the call you are giving to us to follow you, the call you have given us to say, I am doing a new thing. Don't you see? May we faithfully respond and say, yes, Lord, we do see where you are bringing life and love and thriving into our lives and into our world. Thank you that you walk through us through all times of transition, growth, and change. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, I pray. Amen. Friends, would you join me now in singing our next hymn, The Solid Rock.
You may be seated. It's time for us to pray, to give God thanks. Let us pray. Holy God, you are above all and in all and through all, and you are in us. What an incredible thing for us to fathom that Jesus came to call us as his disciples to be agents of change, to make a new way. For when we look to scripture, we see stories of Elisha, Elijah, those who could call out to you for help, who teach us that it is strength and courage to reach out and to say to you, God, help us this day, whatever the circumstance. And Lord God, you bring people into our lives, people who inspire us, who bring greater faith out of us, people who call us to be who you have called us to be. For Lord God, you are always with us. We see Jesus in the pages of the New Testament walking alongside his disciples, walking up to people, calling them out of trees, healing them, offering them bread and food to eat before the sermon or the lesson, showing us that we can help to take care of people in the same way. For you truly help us to not always look backward, but to look forward trusting you as we go. Thank you that you are our hope in the midst of change. Help us to have our response to change be that of Jesus, to find the good, to help others, that even in the midst of change that is painful for ourselves or a friend or a family member, even when change can cause us pain, you've got us, you see us, you call us your masterpiece. You bring hope and love and fill us. Fill our cups. You help us lead lives that reflect Jesus. And by your presence in this world, no matter what the circumstance, we know you're bigger. For there's nothing that change could bring, transition could bring, not even a global pandemic could separate us from your love. So you, oh God, make a way in us today as individuals, as four churches, as the church. And the, when the world says there is no way, when the world only sees darkness, help us to live and move and be in your light as we hold your hand, as we pray for you to guide us. Let our words not be negative, but positive, like life-giving water. And as we look to new ways that you are already doing, help us to be on alert. Help us to see it. Help us to perceive it. Help us to see you no matter where we are. And to welcome that new life. For you are doing new things, and you're calling us to newness, not only in our own lives, but as your church, as your disciples. So today, Lord Jesus, we celebrate you 
as we pray the prayer you taught us. Our Father, who art in And now we come to the time for our offering, remembering once again that we belong to God, that all we have belongs to God. This is my day for papers to fly around. <laughs> you see the box over here, the gray box next to the speaker. Um, if you put your offering for your own congregation into that box, it will get sorted out and given to the right place. We'll also remind you that our common offering today goes to Cass Community Services in Detroit. Cass Community Services has been working with the hungry and the homeless in downtown Detroit along the Cass Corridor for many, many years. It began as a ministry to feed the hungry and house the homeless with temporary housing. One of their newest projects is that they have created a tiny house village with these small houses of just a couple hundred square feet that longtime homeless folks are able to get and pay minimal sums for for rent on a rent-to-own basis. So they have become homeowners, and they can put in plants and decorate the way they want. They don't have to worry about holes in the walls if they hang up a picture and all of those things that you do when you don't even have a place to call your own. And so they've moved from just emergency needs into long-term transitions and care for folks and giving them a better life. It's a worthy, worthy cause, and we give thanks that we are able to support them in what they're doing. So we would encourage you to give generously, both to your own congregations and to Cass Community Services. And now, I want to invite all who would like to be a part of our pop-up choir to come on up and join us for Ask the Deer, a reminder that we as God's new creations are baptized because it references the flowing waters.
same time that uh, folks are coming up for choir, that's also the opportunity to give your offering in the black box that's over here. Uh, a pop-up choir is for those who haven't practiced, aren't quite sure of the song, but love singing. That's you. So if that's you, come on up. The more the merrier. My friends, let us pray. Loving Lord Jesus, you bless us in so many ways, so many ways that we can see, yet countless more that we don't. And you have called each of us to partner with you into your ministry 
and for helping the least of these. So we give you thanks that we get to walk beside you in making this kingdom a better place. So we ask, Holy God, that you take these gifts, these gifts of our lives, our labors, our talents, and our treasures, and turn them into more than we could ever imagine. We pray, Lord, that these gifts reach those in greatest need, and we give in confidence, knowing that that is exactly what you will do. So all of this and so much more, we give you thanks and praise in your son's name. Amen. And I believe we are now singing our closing song. Let's go for it. Friends, a reminder that you all are invited to stay and join in with lunch. We have an amazing food truck here with food for purchase, so please plan on hanging out, and we will consider this worship service our blessing before the meal. And now ascending for you. As you depart from this gathering of believers, may you never forget that Jesus Christ is the same yesterday today 
and tomorrow. That God, your creator and sustainer, does not change like shifting shadows and will surely supply for your every need. And may the power of the Holy Spirit overflow you with hope and joy for the promise of the new day. Go in peace to love and to serve the Lord. Go in peace knowing that you are beloved child of God. Amen.